0: Preach the Word, Matthew chapter 5, Matthew chapter 5. Our mission at Gateway is to grow closer to Christ and encourage others to grow closer to Christ as was mentioned just a moment ago. And these are a couple of words we like to say together out loud every week. We find somehow speaking these words does our hearts good and we invite you to join us on the count of three to say these, these two words. One, two, three. Amen. We, uh, we hope to accomplish that mission by this word that's behind me. is kind of the methods we use. And this morning we're going to study from God's word. That's what the W stands for. And I just want to mention a couple of things that are going on that might also help us grow closer to Christ. The A stands for accepted or acceptance. And we're really trying to encourage everyone at Gateway to be a part of a mission group. And most of you probably are, but some of you may not be. There is a mission group tonight that Wyatt mentioned that meets here at the building at 6. And there's also a mission group this evening, this afternoon at 4 o'clock at Anson and Susan's house. And so raise your hand, Anson and Susan. There they are right there. If you'd like to be a part of a mission group this afternoon. And there are quite a few others. We'd like to encourage you to join a mission group if you're not part of one already. And then the L is uh, stands for love, and this is acts of love that we do. This helps us grow closer to Christ and encourage others to grow closer to Christ. This is one of the acts of love right here in front of me, KWO, Kenya Widows and Orphans. There's a whole sheet of paper on your pew that explains what these are all about, what we're going to use them for, Christmas and Caricho. And so I encourage you to read that and participate in uh, supporting the Kenya widows and orphans, and uh, and actually, uh, yeah. Then the K stands for kingdom, and we want to encourage we want to encourage people to make their life about the kingdom. And I, I just want to briefly say that the most important well, maybe it's an exaggeration. All people are important, but the most important people I think we could encourage to make the kingdom a part of their life, all the days of their life are our children. And we have uh, classes at 9.30 here for children and adults and teenagers. And then during this worship time, you saw those kids leave, and we have classes for the kids during that time uh, three weeks a month. And we are burning out the people who are teaching our kids. And so, uh, I, this is, I'm just being honest with you guys, telling you the truth. It doesn't matter whether I work here or not. It doesn't matter if I attend this congregation or some other congregation. I am going to be involved in teaching children. And this is one of my favorite times of the year. In October through January, I teach the kids at 930. And so, I'm not asking you to do something that I am not willing to do myself. And you might say, yeah, but you're a professional and you're good at it. Oh, no. I have no idea what I'm doing. I'm just just barely keeping my nose and my mouth above water with those kiddos. But sharing the kingdom of God with kids is one of the most rewarding things that we can do. We're hoping, and when I say we, specifically I'm talking about Nancy Swanner, who probably isn't in here because she probably is there helping. But Nancy Swanner is the one who's responsible for finding uh, teachers for Sunday mornings and if you would be willing to help for one month in the next seven months, one out of seven, and then that one month you only have to teach three weeks. I mean, we're watering it down where you almost have, don't have to do anything. Pretty soon we'll just have you like call in or something, you know, and just do a little quick five-minute devotional. But seriously, we really need help. I guess that's what I'm saying. And if you are sitting there thinking, well, I, I don't really want to, but maybe I could. Uh, please talk to me or Nancy after uh, services today, and if not, I'll be calling you on the phone pretty soon. <laughs> we are finishing our series today on... Uh, we're finishing our series on the Beatitudes today. And so I, as a way of introduction, I, might, I just wanted to mention great stories, whether you like movies, maybe some of well, bunches of you love movies probably. Or you love to read books. Maybe you read the old classics, you know, Shakespeare or whatever, or even the new books, you know, by new authors. Great stories have several things that are always in common. They have a great protagonist, right, and a great antagonist. They have a a great conflict that happens, and then some kind of resolution. That's what great stories have. In them. And many stories that we either watch on TV or we read, especially uh, like romantic comedies, they end with this sign right here. Happily ever after. They ride off into the sunset. This is the, the end of the story, is the beginning of happily ever after. And I have a question for you to think about today as we finish the Beatitudes. What does happily ever after look like to you? Is it reaching a place of financial security where you can relax and you don't have to have the tension of opening another, oh, another bill? Oh, how much can we pay this month? Is it a quiet cabin by the river, free of strife and pressures, with 18-inch rainbow trout biting on the dry fly? Is it your family all together at the holidays and nobody's fighting with each other? What is happily ever after? for you? It's an, inco- it's an important question, and here's the reason. Because life is full of antagonists and conflicts and suffering and your ability to hang on and keep your faith is going to be based partly on what your happily ever after looks like. Of how you would answer that question. It is interesting that Jesus says, Jesus says something strange. He says, In those conflicts, you will be blessed. In those conflicts, you will be blessed. So we're going to read from Matthew chapter 5 and see what in the world Jesus is talking about today. But first, let's pray and as always we'll pray for another congregation of believers in our town today the first baptist church who's looking for another pastor right now and they have committee meetings that are going on uh this this month and and they're interviewing people so we want to pray for that congregation let's let's bow together lord we thank you today for this gathering of believers thank you for our guests who are here we're grateful that they have taken time in their uh, vacation time their their time of respite or play, that they have joined together with other believers today to worship You. And we pray that they might be refreshed, that their spirits might be recreated, God. We thank You for them. And Lord, we all have come here today because as Caleb prayed, You, you are the highest. You are the greatest. In fact, Lord, I'm going to pause for a minute. I'm going to be quiet. And I want to give all of us just a few seconds to tell you the great attributes that we worship of you. Creator, an Alpha and Omega, beginning and end, King of kings, Sovereign Lord, Savior, Friend, the way, the truth, the life, the river of life, the bread of life, the light of the world. We praise you today, God. We lift up your name. We remember how great and awesome and how worthy you are of all of our worship this morning and all of our worship when we get in our car and drive away from here and all of our worship as we go to sleep tonight and all of our worship as we work tomorrow. All of our worship in the way we treat our spouse, our children, our grandchildren, our parents. All of, you, all of our worship in quiet moments when our mind is alone and troubled. Quiet moments, God, when temptations come. Conflicts when we feel angry. You are worthy of all of our worship in all of these times. We worship You. And we want, God, to worship You with all of our hearts, all of our soul, all of our mind, and all of our strength. And so, Holy Spirit, we ask You to fill us that that might be more of a reality in our lives every day. Lord, we thank You for the First Baptist Church here in Rudoso. We're grateful for the partnership that we share with them in many ways in this village, in many activities and ministries. And we pray, Lord, that You would be with those that are on that committee to choose a new pastor for First Baptist Church. And we pray that You would lead and guide them to a person who will preach the simple gospel truth with power and passion that Jesus died, that He was buried, and that He was raised from the dead for our sins. That that is our only hope. We pray that they would not teach religion or tradition, but that they would only preach, as Paul did, the pure gospel of Jesus Christ. May it be so here as well, Lord. May we in our lives proclaim with words and actions the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And we pray it all in His name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Matthew chapter 5. We'll read it one more time as we have the last eight weeks. One more time. Here we go. Now when Jesus saw the crowds, He went up on a mountainside, sat down, And be glad because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. The first seven announcements. And, and these have been announcements. These have not been instructions. These have not been Uh, things that have been given to us to try to do better, try harder to be these things. That is not what's being said here. There are no commandments. There are announcements of good news in the Beatitudes. And these seven announcements of good news have been about inside attitudes and the way that that affects how we treat other people around us. And this Beatitude, this announcement of good news, is talking about something different. It's talking about something that happens from the outside to us when we're persecuted by others. The word persecuted is the Greek word diako. It means to persecute or... And and I'm not a Greek scholar, and I have to tell you I'm a little bit nervous even this morning because Gary is here and I know he knows more about Greek than I do and you're making me a little nervous by being here. So let me know if I mess up, okay? You Let me know? Okay, thanks. It's one of my professors from college, and I'm I'm thankful he's here today. This is to be persecuted or, or to be pursued or prosecuted or even hunted down. Have you ever felt that way? Like somebody is hunting me down. Every time I turn around, they're behind me. They're trying to get me. Persecuting me. Someone has it out for you. In verse 11, he says, Blessed are you when you're insulted. I don't know if I can say that Greek word very good. But it is to be insulted or to be blamed or disgraced. Have you ever had anybody who insulted you and they insulted you so much, not just to your face, but to other people so that they blamed you and they disgraced you? I remember a person here a couple of decades ago who said because of things other people had said that he was so disgraced? He said, I can't even lift my head up when I walk around this town. And he moved out of this town. You ever been insulted? And then the other word in verse 11, Sway to my. Is to lie about or deceive or speak falsely. It's this idea it carries the idea that someone has made a decision about your character. They've decided that's the kind of person you are. I know that's the kind of person you are. And anything you do, even if you do something trying not to be that kind of person or not being that kind of person, they see it through the lens sway to buy about your character. I feel sure that most, if not all, of you have experienced these things in your life at some point or another. When someone has persecuted you, someone has insulted you, blamed you, disgraced you, lied about you, spoke falsely about you. We said we were going to preach these Beatitudes in three ways. The first way is each week that we're looking at this as an announcement of good news. And that is, you're blessed if this is you. God is with you. God is on your side. Amen. Amen. All of these Beatitudes, every one of these Beatitudes, has been counterintuitive. It's the opposite of what makes common sense. The Beatitudes don't make common sense. Common sense says you're blessed When you're rich, when you're laughing, when you're full, and when you're in charge, that's when you're blessed. That makes common sense. And Jesus says something different than that. He says, blessed are you when you're poor in spirit. When you're hungry, when you're compassionate, when you're weak. And Jesus is saying something different in this beatitude. Common sense says to all of us, you're blessed when everybody wants to hug you and thank you and you feel like you're safe and everybody likes you and speaks so wonderfully of you. That makes good common sense. And Jesus blows our common sense right out of the water. And He says God is with you when you are persecuted. And it doesn't seem blessed except that Jesus is with you when you're persecuted. John chapter 5, verse 8, Jesus said, get up, pick up your mat, and walk. And at once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and he walked. The day on which this took place was the Sabbath. Jesus heals a person and He is persecuted by the Jews for healing somebody. Why in the world? Verse 16 says, so because Jesus was doing these things on the Sabbath, the Jewish leaders began to persecute Him. God's on your side. When you're persecuted, guess what? So was Jesus. He was persecuted. I wonder if you've ever tried to do something good for someone. You've tried to help somebody. You've tried to give your time and your resources. Maybe even give your life away for somebody and they... Slapped you right in the face. Jesus says God is on your side. God is with you. Maybe you have stood up for something that's right. And you lost a friendship over it. Have you ever stood up for Jesus at work and your job was threatened or you lost your job? If that happens, Jesus is on your side. God is with you. How can you be so sure of that, John? Well, here's the reason. Because when Paul was on the road to Damascus in Acts 22, he was blinded by a light and that light light spoke. A voice spoke from the light. And this is what... The voice said, about noon as I came near to Damascus, suddenly a bright light from heaven flashed around me. I fell to the ground, Paul says, and I heard a voice say to me, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? The voice said, why do you persecute me? Saul, why are you persecuting me? The voice said. Who are you, Lord? Paul asked. I am Jesus of Nazareth whom you are persecuting. Now, what was Saul doing? He was persecuting believers. He was persecuting people who were called the way. He was persecuting Christ followers. And Jesus said, when you do that, You're persecuting me because I am on those people's side. I am with those people. And when you persecute them, you are persecuting me. Jesus is persecuted when His bride is persecuted. And as strange as this beatitude sounds, I feel sure in this crowd today, somebody needed to hear this. When you are persecuted, God is on your side. The second way that we said we were going to preach this every week is a heart checkup. To ask the Holy Spirit to convict my heart as I think about this beatitude. Does something inside of me need to change? Is there something internal, Lord, that you need to work on inside of me? And we've had a couple of questions each week that the Holy Spirit might ask us about this beatitude. Here's the first question Are you surprised? Are you surprised when you're persecuted? When someone lies about you? When someone tells insults and goes behind your back and is chasing you down and hunting you down? Are you surprised? Are you shocked? John 15, Jesus tells us, I was persecuted. Don't be surprised. So will you you'll be persecuted. Listen to John 15, verse 18-20. through If the world hates you, keep in mind it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world. But I've chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. Remember what I told you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. It is a promise of God. We oftentimes say, oh, I'm gonna, I've got to memorize the promises of God so that I can just remember how good He is, remember how wonderful life is, I've got to remember all of the, the promises of God. Well, here's one to memorize. You're going to be persecuted. There's a promise. For just a moment, imagine just for a moment the suffering. We did this in one other lesson, but I want you to think for a moment about the suffering in this room that we're sitting in. The suffering right here in this room. There are natural sufferings that go on because we have mortal bodies, right? Back pain and headaches and swollen feet and worn-out hips and heart problems and miscarriages and cancer and leukemia and MS and blindness, and deafness, and broken bones, and on and on and on. And the question is this. Are you surprised? Are you surprised about that when that happens? Because you shouldn't be surprised. We have mortal, broken bodies. And and we have promises from God in 1 Corinthians 15 that we're going to trade in this mortal body for immortality someday. Thank you, Lord. But today, are you surprised? I was so shocked when Carl Parsons was diagnosed with leukemia. It knocked me down. It knocked me down emotionally. It knocked my faith down. I was so shocked. I was so hurt. I was so upset. I was so angry with God about that. Why are we shocked that these mortal bodies have natural problems in a broken world? There's also the consequences of sin in this room. Suffering going on in this room because of the consequences of sin. Your sin and the sin of people around you is causing suffering. Addictions. Cause suffering in the life of the addicted and all the people around the addicted person. A family is killed on the road by a drunk driver. Adultery and divorce cause suffering. Hatred and violence cause suffering. Greed and court cases cause suffering to us and the people around us because of our sins. And I ask you this question, are you surprised that we're suffering because of sin? Because you shouldn't be. Sin is like a cancer. It's like death. It kills. It destroys. It hurts. It maims. It kills people. And we shouldn't be surprised that it's happening. But that's, those two things are not really what Jesus is talking about in this text. I'm expanding it a little bit today. But He's talking about there also is suffering going on here in this room, because of persecutions. Some of you have friends who won't invite you anymore. Because, I don't know what the right word is, you're a goody-goody. Praise the Lord! <laughs> Praise the Lord. Amen! That's right! You're... You're, you're so holy and, and you're boring and, and, and they won't invite you anymore and you're persecuted because you're not included anymore. They make fun of you. There are people who falsely have accused you of things you haven't done. There are people who are stuck in evil and they hate your guts because you're honest and kind. And they hate you for it. The government restricts you in what is legal concerning your beliefs about God and about the Bible here right in our land today. And then in other countries. In other countries, which may be our country someday. Maybe soon. I don't know. But in other countries today, right now, people are being arrested for going to a Christian assembly like this to worship God. Bibles are illegal to own. Radicals from other religions threaten to intimidate and kill those who believe in the name of Jesus. And I have a question for you. Are you surprised about that? Are you surprised that people treat you that way? Or treat other believers that way? Because you shouldn't be surprised. Listen to what Jesus says. Listen to what He promises in John 16. I have told you these things so that in Me you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble. I thought that said you might have trouble. Or if you're not living a very good Christian life, things might not go well for you. Or if you're unlucky, you might have some problems. No, 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 no. Jesus makes a promise. In this world, you will have trouble but take heart he says not take heart you won't have trouble no he says take heart i've overcome this world where you will have trouble first peter chapter 4 dear friends do not be surprised this is what connor and kristen read for us this morning at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you as though something strange were happening to you this is not strange don't be surprised at these fiery trials that come on. Why are you surprised? Stop being that way. 1 John chapter 3, do not be surprised, my brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. And if you're surprised today, you might ask yourself back to the first question I asked this morning. What is your happily ever after? Are you placing unrealistic hopes in this broken world and broken people around you and saying that's my happily ever after is those broken people or this broken world we live in if that's your happily ever after you got it in the wrong place you should not be surprised that you are suffering that you are persecuted and here's the second question the holy spirit might ask us today is why are you suffering Probably everybody in this room is suffering in one way or another, or you just got through suffering recently from something, or if neither one of those is true, then in just a little while you're going to be suffering. Welcome to planet Earth. Why are you suffering? Many I mean I' to say many some, some believers in Christ, some Christians only suffer because of those natural con- consequences of our bodies growing old, and because of consequences of sin that we talked about. Those first two things. Some people only suffer for those two things. But Jesus makes it personal in the beatitude. He says this, blessed are you if you are persecuted because of righteousness, he says in verse 10. And then he makes it even more personal in verse 11. If you're persecuted because of me, he says, because you love me, because you have a relationship with me, blessed are you because of Jesus, because of that name. The question the Holy Spirit might ask all of us is this. Are you ever persecuted? Are you ever insulted? Are you ever lied about because of your faith in Jesus? And if you can honestly say, no, not at all. I'm never persecuted because of any of that stuff. It is quite possible, maybe even likely, that you are being too careful in your walk with Christ that you are taking zero risks. No risks for me. Zero. Everything's safe. Everything planned out. I know exactly what's going to happen every day, all day. No risks in my faith. When we were young, we would take some big risks, right? When you're a teenager or in your 20s, we know people who sell everything and go on a mission you know, for God. And those people don't have anything to lose. I mean, it's great that they do that, but they've got nothing. So what are they risking? You know, I, I think about that sometimes. I, when, I was, when I was 20 years old, I prayed one day, God, just tell me anything you want me to do and I'll do it. And I walked across the college campus that morning after I prayed that prayer. And a young man that was one of the students at the school I was at walked up to me and he said, hey, John, hey, I was going to ask you a question. I'm going on this mission trip to South Korea, and I was wondering if you, if you might like to go with us. Yep, I'll go. I, j- I just had prayed, you know, God, tell me where to go. And this guy, that was the next person I talked to. So I was like, yep, I'll go to South Korea, sure. And I went. Well, I was 20 years old, I had not to lose. I barely had a car that ran, you know. What am I going to lose? What's the big deal? Go to South Korea for a month. Now, I don't mean to be little, that kind, it was a big faith for me in that time in my life. And we're, the elders right now are actually praying about a young lady that, that uh, she got her college degree and she was, had a job and then she just quit her job and she moved to Houston to work with the Impact Church there. And we're praying about what involvement Gateway might have to help support a young woman like that. We're praying about that as a missionary to the inner city of Houston. But then... We get married, and we have kids, and we have a career, and we get a mortgage, and we, you know, we just start adding all this stuff, and we have more to lose, and we just are not quite so risky. When I was by myself, and I hadn't met any yet, and I would drive down the highway, see somebody on the side of the road hitchhiking, I was like, pick them up, pull over, pick them, know, anybody, I just pick them up. That's a movie quote, by the way, for some of you who might know what I'm talking about. So anyways, I pull over and pick them up and put them inside and their friends and their goat and everybody. We just get in the car and we drive down the road. I, you know what I have to lose? I mean, if, they, if it's a, you know, if it's an axe murder, oh, well, I mean, I get to go see Jesus. That's fine. And then I get married and we start having kids and we got a mortgage. I'm like, oh, no, we're not picking them up. No way. They're not going to murder my wife, for starters. They're not going to murder my kids, and I need to be around here to make some money for my kids so that we can get them out of the house. You know, it's all this circular, weird thing. But but all of a sudden, like not so much, not so many risky things anymore. And it's I'm, I'm feeling it. I'm just confessing to you. I'm feeling as I move toward an older place in life, and maybe someday I don't know if it'll ever happen, but if I ever move toward a retired place where. Money is set aside, and I could stay comfortable and have enough money to pay for medicine and doctors, you know? I gotta be so careful because I could lose it all. And I can get to a place where I risk nothing anymore for my faith. And that attitude of safety and being so careful can permeate, it could permeate our lives so that we never risk. And thus we're never persecuted for the name of Jesus Christ. What risk is the Lord, is the Holy Spirit calling you to take a step of risk? A word in a grocery store to somebody to invite them to church. A friend that you know is lost. You know they're lost. To speak to them about Christ. And know that you're risking your friendship. And know that, ah, they're going to say no anyways. But the Holy Spirit says, take a risk. Because there's people sitting in this room today who I didn't think would ever be sitting in this room today. And they're here. Why is that? Because God saves people. God draws people's hearts to Himself. And He lets us be a part of that. But it takes some risk, folks. The third way we said we're going to preach this each week is the blessing. What is the blessing of this beatitude? There's is the kingdom of heaven. And that is now. The kingdom of heaven is here now. On this earth. Lord, may Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. We want Your kingdom here now, Lord. And it is here and we want it to grow. And we get to experience that As we're persecuted, we get to experience being a part of that kingdom. But it's not only here now, it's also there then. Because he goes on to say, great is your reward in heaven. Folks, it's going to be worth it. It's going to be worth it. I can honestly say I've had different happily ever afters in my life, but I can tell you today that above any other happily ever after is to be with my family in heaven. To be there with Amy and Josh and Reina as happily ever after. And to remember some of the things that almost caused us to quit (laughs) and and to be able to say, you know, Raina, yeah, now we're here and there's no more doubts now, Raina, no more doubts. It was worth it. We almost quit, but we made it through the doubts. And Josh, there's there's, there's no more stabs in the back from some people who might have stabbed you in the back. There's no more alarm clocks to sleep through. It's just an inside joke for my Christian family here. And to say to Amy, Amy, you don't have to be married to the world's biggest jerk anymore because there is no marriage in heaven. Praise God. Hallelujah. But we're still going to know each other. She's still going to be Amy. I'm still going to be John. She's going to be, and she is now, but then also she'll be my sister there and those things that almost made us quit, we can say, oh, we didn't quit and it was worth it. And My mom and my dad and my brother and my sister and my nephews and my nieces and Amy's dad and mom and, and her brothers and sister-in-laws and our nephews and nieces, and we can look across there and say, Mom, there's no more wheelchairs. That might have almost made us quit, but there's not any more. It's worth it. And, and to say to my nephew, who's made a horrible mistake in his life and is in prison, maybe for a decade or more, I pray to God that we'll be able to say, Jeff, y'all, there's no more bars here. There's no more bars like there were in your life. And it almost, you almost quit. It almost made you give up, but you didn't. It's worth it. It's worth it. You made it. And on and on, as we think about these people, I think about you guys right here in this room. that's that's happily ever after for me, is to be with you on the other side. To be there with you and to to understand you completely, and for you to know me completely, for us to know each other, and for the love that is going to happen there in the presence of Jesus, just to melt away any problems or differences, it just melts away in the face of Jesus. Jesus. And to be there with with Joe and Barbara, and to be there with Rita, Patrick, with Tom and Judy, (laughs) Melinda, and Becky. I almost forgot your name for a minute. Sorry. To be there with Barney and Sonia, and John and Tony, and Dorothy. And the Mormon family with the Sprays and with the Chessers, and to be there with the Perrys and the Sparks and the Huffs and the Woodles. And... Do youth ministers make it to heaven? I think they do. Connor and Kristen, they'll be there. Maybe, maybe, Gary says. To be there with Toby. Defenders and Jim and Mark and Sarah and just all around Dave and Gayla and Melissa and the Wetzels and, and, and John and Taryn and, and you guys. Yeah, what's your, what's your last name? The, the, the Santanos are going to be there. Amen. Yes. Praise God. And we're going to be able to look at each other and say those things that almost, they almost knocked us down. They persecuted us. They were sorrows. They were terrible difficulties in this world. And they almost made us quit. But they're nothing now. They're nothing now. And it was all worth it to be in the kingdom of heaven. Amen. Amen? Amen? Oh! Happily ever after. It's not here on earth. It's not in these circumstances that go up and down. They go up and down so quickly. It's not in being liked by other people or keeping everything safe in our lives. Our happily ever after is in heaven and it's going to be worth it. In the Beatitudes, verses 1-11, through 11, there are no commandments. Zero commandments. Announcements of blessing. But there There are lots of commandments in the Sermon on the Mount. And the very first commandment is in verse 12. And here it is. Rejoice and be glad. That's a commandment. Rejoice and be glad. Cairo is the word rejoice. It's similar to the word charis, which means grace. It is almost like saying rejoice because of God's grace that's going to carry you through because He blesses you, He's with you, He's on your side He's going to carry you through these trials and persecutions. And to be glad, agalio in the Greek language means to jump for joy. Jump for joy when you get lied about, when you're persecuted. The next time that something like that happens to you, freak your family out. How was your day? You're not going to believe this. This guy at work? Woo! He he lied about me. He said this is what I, I did. Just try that and see what it does to your family at the dinner table. Oh, Get dad his medication, you know. I don't know what's going on here. Be glad and rejoice. And why is that? He says, the reason is I'm pointing you toward heaven. That's the reason. You're on the same team as the prophets. Guess where they are? They're in heaven and you're on that team. And they got persecuted and so are you. And you are not alone, folks. You're not alone. You're on the prophet team. That's a good team to be on. And it's going to be worth it. One last verse, and we're done with the Beatitudes. 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 17 and 18. I don't think I have this on the screen, but this is what the Bible says. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, And so we'll be with the Lord forever. Oh, man, isn't that going to be awesome? And this is what the Bible says right here. So, therefore, therefore, encourage one another with these words. With what words? The words He just said. Too often we say, oh, I know know you tried to get that job and you didn't get it, but you'll get a job soon. We encourage each other with those words. Your husband will probably come back to you. We encourage people with those words. Your baby is definitely going to get well. We encourage people with words like that. Your children are going to do better. They're not going to stay in that same broken place. Those are the kind of words we often encourage each other with when we come together as believers. Why do we say things like that? Why do we make those kinds of promises to each other that are not the same promises that God made to us? Because here's the truth. You may not ever get a job. Your husband might not come back. Your baby may not get well. Your children might never do any better than they're doing today. But, encourage each other with these words. The Lord is coming back. And we're going to raise up to meet Him in the air. And I don't know if you're going to get a job, but you're going to get a ticket to the new heaven and the new earth. And I don't know if your husband is going to come back, but the Lord's going to come back. He's coming back for you. Encourage each other with those words. Remind each other about these things. Because God, God is with us. Blessed are you followers of Christ, you poor in spirit, mourning, meek, hungry, and thirsty, merciful, pure in heart, peacemakers who are persecuted by other people. Why? That doesn't make any common sense. Because God is on your side. That's why. Because God is with you and because great is your reward in heaven. Only possible because Jesus paid for our sins on the cross completely. Completely finished the work of salvation there and invites you to be His child today amen Amen. Amen. encourage one another with these words this week folks we're headed to heaven we're going to stand and we're going to sing a song and if you're not headed to heaven if you've never accepted the gift that christ has we want you to do that today if you've never been baptized into christ we want to baptize you into christ today as one of the first responses to that gospel of completed salvation by jesus at the cross let's stand and let's sing Please